0: White Rocket Entertainment podcast number seven hundred.
1: Wow, that's seven
0: hundred. That is a lot of freaking podcasts.
1: That, that's that's uh, that's that's a lot of podcasts. Wow, <laughs> I, I'm trying to wrap my brain around seven hundred podcasts. I have that's to amazing.
0: wrap your brain around it. You know, Andy, I think about this being the 700th episode, and I find I can't quite wrap my brain around it. <laughs> well, you know, Van, it is number 700, <laughs> and we did win the war. Uh, that's fun. Shadows are gone. 700. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron.
1: It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now, here
0: are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast, your favorite podcast reviewing Babylon 5. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico, joined as always by my co-host, Andy Fix. Andy, are you out there in Radioland? I am here, sir. How are you doing tonight? Good, good. Hey, did you hear? that It's the 700th episode of all White Rocket Podcasts. I've heard that. That You're a busy man. <sighs> Too busy. isn't That, a, that just blows <laughs> my mind, though. I mean, 500 was big, 600 was big. Something about 700 just seems really big.
1: That is, I mean, yeah. That's. Imagine that. That's. I mean, I'm thinking back to when I was reading comic books, and when they hit like 350, that was like, holy cow! This oh, comic yeah. book's been around forever.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I, the only know. ones. The only ones that were that far along when I was a kid reading comics were like action and Superman. Yeah. Uh,
1: right. Uh, right. Because they've been around since the 30s. From the beginning. I, for one, am honored that I get to do the 700th one with you.
0: (laughs) But anyway, folks here are here to hear us talk about Babylon 5. Go to www.b5review.com if you want to join up and be part of the Patreon crew that supports this show and leaves awesome messages and questions and answers and whatever else. On the Patreon page, and I thank each one of you every episode, unless I forget. And I did forget for a couple of <laughs> episodes there, and I apologize to the patrons for that. Do you have any news or big information breaking at this hour you want to throw out there? Uh,
1: the only thing I can think of is that this week was the 30th anniversary of the airing, first airing of The uh, the Gathering, Babylon 5, The Gathering, the pilot movie for Babylon, the Babylon 5 TV show.
0: Um. That's right. Yeah, it's the 30th anniversary of Babylon 5 being a thing you can watch. I know that some people consider the anniversary being like next year with the first anniversary of Midnight on the Firing Line the beginning of Season right. 1. But really it's this is it. You know, this is the 30th anniversary of B5 being on television. It, it right. honestly is.
1: <clears throat> and I, I remember watching the, the movie and I, I had no idea mm. that it was a pilot or anything. I just mm. thought it was like one of those random movies that pop up, you know, because it was syndicated. So it was like hey, cool, I'll give it a watch and I loved it and was had no idea that I thought once it was done and over with, it was done and over with. And then I, I started hearing rumors that it was going to be a TV show, and I got super excited.
0: I, yeah, we talked about this a little bit, I think, on our very, very, very first episode of this show. And I still can't remember exactly what I thought. I definitely watched it the night that it premiered in Auburn, Alabama. I remember watching it with a friend of mine and... She was a big Star Trek fan, so she didn't like it at all. She, had, she was very critical of it. And I remember, because remember, that, this was the Stuart Copeland version, you know, with the different mm-hmm. music and darker lighting, and, you know, they really went back yep. and kind of spruced it up a little bit for the TNT Special Edition, which is, which is right. the version that's out there now. Um, but yeah, I don't remember if I thought it was a movie or a pilot or a TV show, and we just never got the second episode or what. I, <laughs> I wish I could remember, but I do remember it was kind of an event. I, I don't. I remember hearing advertisements about it. People were talking about it. My friends were talking about it, and so I'm like, oh, I guess I better tune in and watch this thing. It sounds pretty interesting, and I'm yep. so well, glad this I did. Was,
1: yeah, same. It, it. I remember seeing the ads for it in TV Guide, and that's what what. Popped oh. me onto it, and this was in the the early '90s when yeah. when you know you had a lot of stuff that was just coming on TV. You would just get like a, a there's uh, just random movies would show up in syndication. I mean, syndication was was a smorgasbord of weird, crazy stuff back then, and you would just get these you know random movies popping up that would that would be cool. There was one syndicated show called Prime Time after Crime Time or Crime yes. Time after Primetime. yes, which was just like random. Uh, Fun little crime TV shows, you know that that would pop up, and and so yeah, I I I saw the the um, movie and I thought it was cool, and I never thought of it again until I started hearing that it was going to be a TV show.
0: Yeah, I remember that too, and there was like a there was some kind of a show that was like involving like romance and a vampire and detective story or something, and it was like oh. in Vancouver or something. That Nick was at Night or Nick Knight. Okay, I don't. I have no idea, but I just remember there uh, were several You were right, though. I hadn't thought about that in a long time, but there were several shows. Well, yeah, so it's the 30th anniversary of The Gathering. That's awesome. And um, in similar news, uh, I'm going to be guesting on a Babylon 5 podcast Sunday morning, recording early Sunday morning. And it's because these guys that I've known for a while are starting their own B5 show. But here's the thing about it, and I didn't know this when I agreed to come on, but this is kind of interesting. They're calling it the, like the 30th anniversary Babylon five podcast. And they're reviewing every episode, you know, podcast by podcast, but they're not going to start releasing them until the 30th anniversary of the show. So next, like a year from now. And I'm like, I'm like, I stay up a little late editing shows so they can go out that next day in some cases. Right. (laughs) certainly to the patrons on this show yeah, right. and the, the football show i post immediately um but yet they're they're holding back for a year i'm just like man how and they're like well we need time to edit them I'm like yeah i have time to edit them too it's like about 20 minutes before i go to bed <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know everybody has a different standard though and that's awesome i mean they're going to be doing a really good job with it i'm sure and yeah. And that's great. So I'm looking forward to going on there. I'm actually going to be on there talking with them about the geometry of shadows, one of my favorites, if you will recall. Oh,
1: very cool. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to keep in mind that not everybody has 700 podcasts under their belt, so they can't just knock out an episode and put it up the next day.
0: Well, I, I've said I keep things streamlined. So I just add, a, add, add the beginning, add the end, run it through a couple of filters and things, and up it goes, warts and all. That's the only way I can do it. Otherwise, it just – You know, like the first year I did podcasting, I would very carefully edit everything, and I'm like, yeah, that this this career isn't going to last very long if I'm happy to do this. So. <laughs> no, new, no, new, no, new. No. Um. Another. Speaking of which, another news item just for the show listeners. Um. I the I have a tent. I have a list of tentative dates that the patrons will be getting this show. Our our, our show going forward. So, um, February twenty two. Two days ago, they got the um ep- Epiphanies. Epiphanies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They got Epiphanies two days ago. It'll be going up on the regular feed on Monday, so they get them almost a week early uh, and then March 8th, March 22 April 5th, April 19th May 3rd, May 17th, May 31 so basically, I'm trying to get us into a regular pattern of of giving the patrons their episode like about a week early, six days early if I can I feel like that's the best thing to do. So, and we've got a backlog now of one whole episode. That other show has a backlog of like three hundred episodes. Come next year, we have. I'm I'm doing cartwheels that we have a backlog of one, one. Oh boy, that's the, and that, that, that's a precarious one because any is. week could
1: pop,
0: oh, well, pop up. this week is already. Right. We're, we're recording on Friday night. You know, which is actually how we got our backlog is we recorded back to back on a Friday night a couple of about a month ago. Yep. But um, yeah, but we're recording on Friday, which means the patrons would be getting this on Saturday normally, which is way later than I want. But see, I was able to release Epiphanies back on the 22nd. Right. So we're we're back. This is this is the beauty of having at least a one episode backlog is that we stay on schedule. All right. There's one other thing we need to talk about. And I need your opinion on this because I'm really not sure.
1: I I am good for giving you my opinion on stuff.
0: Good deal, because the new Crusade books have just come out this week.
1: Oh, that's right, you were mentioning this.
0: Yes, and then um, and they uh, and, and oh and, and, and uh and Allison, our our great patron and listener, Allison, she sent me a message too in case I missed it, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just sitting here, you know, wringing my hands over what to do because, see, the good news is, well. Let me back up. So several years ago, B5 Books that puts out all these books for JMS put out a book called Crusade, What the Hell Happened, Volume 1. People seemed to like it. It had like a a new essay by JMS on what happened to to Crusade, and then it had some other stuff. Okay, Mm -hmm. Volumes 2 and 3 never came out. And finally, a couple of years ago, a year ago, whatever, JMS said, well, the reason I never put them out is that a lot of the stuff I would have put in it, put in the other volumes, ended up in the autobiography, Becoming Superman. And he said, I didn't want to sell it twice, which I understand. I appreciate that. But over the last year or so, apparently so many people have been clamoring for it, clamor, 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 that they, they went ahead and put together volume two and volume three without any more JMS new material. So there's three volumes. The first volume is about a decade old and has an introduction by him that kind of explains what happened to the show. Mm-hmm. The other two volumes have some of the scripts, including the unproduced scripts, and a couple of other items. Uh, oh, and the, and the final version of the Crusade Bible, which I already have. So in hardcover, for the t- set of three, it's like 150 bucks plus shipping. Yikes. And just the Kindle versions of the three alone is like $55, something like that. That's crazy. And I'm just like, you know, I cannot, even with the Patreon and everything, I just cannot justify spending that much money for three um, case-wrapped, you know, 85 by 11 Xerox printed, basically. Right. Lulu-style, you know, books. I got the... I got the ones last time. I got the, you know, the, the Babylon 5 encyclopedia is not like that. It's gorgeous. I mean, they, they had a yeah. real printer do that. And it's color and it's like a leather, you know, it's beautiful. But the the Crusade books that I bought a few months ago or a year ago, whenever it was, are not that awesome. They're very much like a Lulu, you know, cranked them out on an offset printer type thing. And, well, I'm sure
1: that's exactly what they are. They're, uh, they're print on demand.
0: But they're expensive as crap. Right. So, I was not super impressed with them and I barely even read them, even though it's crusade material. I tried to read, we're going to review this eventually. I tried to read Peter um Peter Woodward's story that's in it. Like small yep. bugs have lesser bugs or something like that. He did a script <laughs> for Crusade that's, that's in there. I got about a third of the way into it and was just like, really? Mm, yeah, it's not that good. Wow, that's it's unfortunate. Not, yeah, it's not good. Um so I'm just, I'm, I'm leaning toward not getting them, at least not right now. My wife said, now, if you get them and you don't like them, you could probably put them on eBay and at least make your money back. I'm like, well, that's probably true.
1: You could sign it and I could sign it. We could sell them a the signed copy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> oh, that's a joke, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <a
0: joke. laughs> signed by them. I think
1: that, that would be more a disincentive than an incentive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> signed by the preeminent Babylon 5 podcasters of the age. I like it. I like it. I just, when you first said that, I was kind of like, well, you know, because you got to understand, I, you know, I just had a basketball history book published last year, and I've probably mailed out 60 copies signed by me and, and John. So I'm used to signing these books and mailing them out. So I'm like, yeah, you right. could do that. And then you're like, well, yeah, they probably wouldn't want that. So we'll th- I'll throw that out there. I really want to know. What our listeners, what our patrons think about? Should we get these? Um, Would it be an investment? You know, get them and then sell them on eBay if we don't like them, or would you know resell them to somebody else or something? I don't know. I don't know what to do. I'm I'm kind of reaching for an answer here. So anyway, but they're out.
1: My uh, man, my opinion. I don't know if if it doesn't have any really pert or I don't know new material. I guess. I don't know. I don't want to say it sounds like a cash grab, but it kind of sounds like a cash grab.
0: Well, if the stuff is that's in it has already been in the autobiography, I read that. Right. So I'm good. And, I mean...
1: I guess they're putting it out for the, the type of people that don't necessarily have all that stuff. Yeah. I guess. I guess. I don't know. Or or the, the completest collector that wants to have everything put out. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well... Anyway, I'm not going to get them immediately. If they sell out, they sell out. But I'm not going to get them immediately. All right. Well, let's get on into 408, The Illusion of Truth. This is an episode, kind of like Believers, that stirs the passions. (laughs) People have strong opinions about it. It's, It's not a huge episode in terms of, like, the epic saga, although it is important. Yeah. But... Because, you know what, I'll say this now, it's important in part because it's one of the only ways that we see what's going on and what the thought press processes are of, of the Clark people. We don't right. get much of the Clark people. We kind of have to guess what the Clark regime is up to. So this is, right. this is one of the few times that you see just how manipulative and evil and twisting they can be, and that's useful. Yes. But, man. But, yeah. Oh. It, we'll, we'll get into it in our that ratings. Yeah. Yeah, we will. That's going to be interesting. All right. So, as always, we and, and since we only do, I'm kind of happy that we're only doing one episode per podcast now. I think we need to stick with that until the such a time as we feel the need to change. Agreed. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. And we're still running the same length anyway, so think how right? long they'd be if we did, too. Good Lord. This is not one I'd have thought we'd have done by itself, but here we are. So there we go. Yeah. Um, all right. Do you want to do the summary? Or you want me to?
1: Uh sure. It's a pretty, pretty straightforward summary. A crew, a, a news crew from ISN comes to Babylon Five and wants to interview and do like a, a piece on the station. Um, and uh, for reasons, uh, Sinclair agrees to, or uh, Sheridan agrees to it, and uh, hilarity ensues.
0: Ooh. It's the second time ISN has done this. Remember the first time was, I guess, was that in season one or season two? I can't remember. Yes, because it was... I can't remember if it was Sinclair or Sheridan that was involved in that. I want to say ca- it was Sinclair that was involved with that one. It, it was, I'm, not, it, I'm not positive. It was called, and now for a word, and, and the, yeah. of course the one website that I don't have open right now is the Lurker's Guide. But if I click here and click here... Um, I'm thinking it's season two, and I'm looking... Yep, season two, 214, right. Now for a Word. So it was Sheridan. He's been involved in this yep. before. I was going right. to cut him a little slack if he wasn't there the first time, but he was. So right. All right. This is what I call one of their MASH episodes, where they have the... Remember, there was, a, there was an episode of MASH. We talked about this with uh, Now for a Word, where yep. their reporter came, and you get like little snippets of interviews with each person. Uh, although this episode was really a lot about creative editing as well. Yes, yes it was. And there are moments in this episode that I'm like, oh, don't say that. <laughs> don't say yeah. that. Why would you say it that way other than so that they can, they can edit it creatively? Right. It's like if, if you were interviewing me and you said, Van, what are you going to do tomorrow? And I say, take over the world on this video game I'm going to be playing. And then you just went chop, (laughs) murder my neighbor at tennis, chop. (laughs) You know that's what that's what they do. I'm like John, shut up. What are you saying? No one will stop us. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, it 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 was little hand fisted. fisted. Yes.
0: Jinx. (laughs) Amen. Uh, All right. That was good. The P5 rating, which is the, for those that don't know, that is the rating that was originally voted on a scale of 1 to 10 on the Lurker's Guide for this episode back when it first aired by a whole bunch of people. The P5 rating was 7.56. So not terrible, but not up there in the eight to ten range that the best ones are
1: higher than what i would have expected for sure yeah
0: okay interesting all right this is production number 408 and broadcast number 408 i always like it when those match up it's less confusing originally aired february 17 1997 in fact i think i watched this on february 17th 2023 so let's see so like almost 30, let's see, 97, 07, 17, 29. 19, 20, 20, 20, 26 20, years. 26 20. years. Yeah, because we're in the fourth season, so thirty right. to, you know, 29 right. to, twenty, yeah. So, yeah, after it originally aired, it's hard, it's hard to imagine. I don't think that when this show was first airing, I thought I would still be watching it regularly on my telephone in the year 2023. <laughs> I'd love to go back in time and say, hey, you know this show you're watching on your big, you know, Zenith Color TV over there with your roommate in graduate school. Right. Twenty. What did I just say? Crap. Twenty six years. Twenty six years from now, you're going to be watching it on your telephone in like the bathroom or the kitchen while you're fixing dinner. And I'd be like, "What? Watching it on my future man? Watching it on my telephone? Yeah, it's going to be streaming to your phone over the air, cordless, wireless. What are you talking about? I'll be in my flying car doing this. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) The other
1: day I asked my wife to plug my hat into the couch because it didn't charge. So <laughs> you're what that's a true statement. You're- my hat. I have a I have a hat with Bluetooth speakers in it.
0: Oh, my it, needed, gosh.
1: it needed it was, you know, a beanie hat before you go outside and shovel the snow. And it was it was dead. So we have a couch that oh has electric motor in it to, you know, move the the footrest out and it's got a, a USB charger right in the side of it. So I said, "Honey, I think my hat needs charge. Can you plug it into my couch? Can you plug it into our couch?"
0: <sighs> plug my hat into the couch while I watch this TV show on my phone. <laughs> this is the this is the world that we've gotten instead of going to Mars and having a moon base and all right. that, Andy. Exactly. This is what we've got. All right. Yeah. Um, written, of course, by JMS. We're gonna keep saying that for a while longer. We still haven't gotten to the moment where that changes. Uh, directed fans, by who? Who directed this one? Stephen first directed this one. This is his first one that he directed.
1: He directs a, a few of them. Yeah. He directs he directs a couple more in, in season five. But yeah, I thought that was pretty cool.
0: And I've got something to say about that, but I'm going to hold off uh-huh. on it for right now. All right. Lots of notable guest stars this time around. Jeff Griggs as Dan Randall, although they only credit him as Randall. Um, Henry Darrow as Harvard professor in Deary. I always like. When JMS gives a character in his scripts uh, an ethnic-sounding name, and then they have, like, some random person play them... (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean, I you know, in a way, you could say in the future, names and ethnicities don't really match up as much anymore, and that's fine. But it's still kind of funny because it's probably it's not really so much that as just who was available that week at the old hot tub factory. You know what I mean? But right. right but that's exactly. fine. But that's fine. We'll we'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he's you know that he's saying that. Um, Diana Morgan as news anchor Allison Higgins. She's really good. I mean, she seemed like she actually was a news anchor or something. She might have been. Yeah. Um, That's legit. yeah. Andrew Craig as the client. That would be the guy that was buying something from Gar- Garibaldi. That was kind of a humorous scene. It was. David A. Kimball as Parks and Albert Garcia as Ramirez. Okay. That's two of those guys and that stuff. All right. Do you have any uh, random factoids and notes about this episode? Oh, let me see. What do I have? The only thing that I
1: dug up was that the names that were being named, you know, when they're showing the interrogation of the guy, yep. uh, the names that he named were all names uh, that were named during the House Committee on Un-American Activities.
0: Yes, that is right. Um, I, I saw that, too. And um, the names were either the same, or they rearranged the first name, and the last name, a little bit.
1: Right, right. It, it was it, all the all three last names were the same, and then they
0: used different first names. And one interesting and kind of sad thing about that is one of the people that was involved was um, writer Paul Jericho. And I read Paul Jericho died in an automobile accident on October 28th, 1997. After this episode aired, months after this episode aired, he died in an automobile accident the day after receiving a standing ovation at a Hollywood ceremony honoring the surviving blacklisted screenwriters. Wow. So he was honored for being one of those people and then got killed in a car wreck the very next yeah. day.
1: Probably because his name was on Babylon 5.
0: Oh, my gosh, Andy. I hadn't thought about that, but you are exactly right. Wow. It really is a curse yeah. in some ways, in some cases. That's, that's uh, crazy. That is. Let's see.
1: I, I also uncovered that the names on the um, chiro, the, the cryogenic freezers yeah. were all names of, the, uh, w- of crew members of the uh the show
0: oh okay i i know, i did note that john flynn was on there yeah but i think one of the one of the freezers had carolyn sanderson and that's besters lover
1: that would make sense yeah because you know she's a named character and was actually in
0: the freezer so yeah that's right so there was one character and then everybody else was just kind of names they grabbed off of whoever was handy i guess okay right makes sense I had to note here, very first thing, I was not super impressed with Stephen First's directing of this episode.
1: It seemed very pedestrian. Yeah. Um. I don't know if that was because of the script. Could be. Or if that was, if he just would had, I mean, they, they invited him back to direct more episodes. I don't really know which episodes he directed in season five, so I don't know if he improved, you know, his craft or what. But, uh, yeah, I... I wasn't going to specifically hold this one against Stephen first, but I mean, it it, it really, I, we'll get more into this in the ratings. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's hard to say if it was his fault or if it was just the fault of a,
0: just a bad. script. <laughs> There's three episodes I can think of where I thought the direction just did no help to the material. And in fact, hurt it in places that is midnight on the firing line. The direction on that episode, the very first one, I yep. thought the direction there was actively bad in places, okay. people just standing in the wrong place, blocking the camera, just amateurish, okay, this one, and Sleeping in Light, so the first one and the last one, now Sleeping right. in Light, the reason is because JMS directed and he never directed before, so again, these first-time directors, you know, yeah. it doesn't always go great, and we can understand that, I guess, but yeah, yeah. I, had a, I had a note about that, um, I've seen another Babylon 5 5 podcast describe this as a, quote, clip episode, unquote, sort of minimalizing it as kind of a fill-in episode. And I didn't think that was true at all. I mean, I understand what they're saying, that it has, you know, it sounds like one of those where they do a whole bunch of flashbacks and they never leave the room and stuff to, to save money. And it was a very low special effects episode, relatively speaking. But I, like I said at the top of the show, I really thought it was important to give us some feel for the Clark regime and for what people were saying back home and how Clark was portraying Babylon 5 and Sheridan and Dillon.
1: Agreed. I, 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 when I, I'll tell you, I, I watched this show. Um, I watched the first 20 minutes of it and then kind of turned it off because I just wasn't into it and I, I decided I would come back to it later. And it, if I had just gone by that first 20 minutes, I would have agreed that this was just a, just a clip show just to fill you know just to fill up a, a time slot. Mm-hmm. But then watching the second half of the, the episode, there was a purpose behind it. There, this was very specifically done for a reason, and it, it wasn't yeah. just a, a money-saving clip show.
0: Yeah. And
1: they did have some some pretty decent special effects in it, like the uh, when they showed the ships outside being repaired, mm-hmm. I mean, there wasn't a lot of action to it, but there was some computer-generated stuff in there. And I I will note right here that the set for the ISN show, oh yeah, set was more impressive than the council (laughs) chamber. So
0: that's not a high high bar. But no, I, I thought the exact same. I thought the exact same thing. I thought, man, that looks that holds up now.
1: Yeah. It does. That still
0: holds up today. That big, like yep. they should, like they were in a big room, and they were way up right. in the air on the cylinder and everything. Yeah, yeah. that I mean, that holds up. That looked good. I agree. Could, God? They should have done a council chamber like that. My gosh. Right. No doubt. Yeah, and I had one other note about that. I said that I thought that Randall put together a pretty effective storyline out of his you know bits and pieces, because even if it was kind of an odd. I thought there were some odd choices he made. They're freezing humans and turning them into half alien hybrids and stuff. And I'm like, that's one of those things that's just crazy enough that people would believe it.
1: Right? Uh, you know, I was watching that, and I remember the first time I watched it. I'm like, this is nobody would really believe this. This is crazy. But then you watch it now, and you watch the news now of what people, what people in Congress are saying, and it's like, yes. people, people eat this up. Yep. and it's shocking. Yep. It's it's far more believable this was, today than what it was thirty years ago, twenty six years ago.
0: Clark is descended from QAnon,
1: right? <laughs> right? And, yes. It, it, was effect, it was It was it was very effectively done. I thought. Uh, yes. Well, I think the last the last fifteen minutes when they were
0: showing that was was chilling. How yes. how
1: well it was done and how believable it was and how
0: and something like that could go over today. And that's exactly where I was going with that. Is now that that idea. Has been put out to the Earth public. If Sheridan makes a move, and I'm no spoilers here, but okay. if Sheridan were to make a move on Earth now, Clark would have total justification for fighting back, for killing them, for killing yep. Sheridan, for blowing away the Babylon Five ships if they came, and people would call him a freaking hero. Right. Absolutely. He saved us from the evil aliens that are gonna freeze us and make us hy- hybrid, whatever's.
1: That was very well-executed gaslighting.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You're right. I Yeah. What well, we've said over and over, Andy, that stuff that this show did in the mid-1990s rings truer now than it did then. Right. If anything, it seems prescient. Right. Which is terrifying. <laughs> we don't want it to.
1: Right. And not the cool science fiction-y stuff, but the the very oh, scary social stuff. Yes. <laughs>
0: No, we wanted to be able to say in our old age, man, that that old JMS, he didn't know what he was talking about. And instead, I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) I think I have a sound clip for that. Yeah. Here's what I say every time JMS does this. Oh, my God. There we go. That's the yeah. That's what I say every time. All right. I
1: was hoping for for jump gates and space stations by I now, and here know. we are getting the crazy political stuff
0: instead. I <laughs> know uh, it's true. It's true. Um, oh, this is a good one. You'll you'll like this. The alleged Harvard professor on this episode, Endeari or whatever his name was, mm-hmm. he references the Helsinki Syndrome. Yeah. I, <laughs> the Helsinki. All right. Hold on. Bear with me here. A, there's no such thing as the Helsinki Syndrome. It is right. the... Stockholm Syndrome. It is the Stockholm Syndrome. Okay. B, there's only one other place where the Helsinki Syndrome is referenced. Do you know where that other place is? Babylon I, 5 I, and... I have no idea. Die Hard. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. There's <laughs> the, the two places they call it the Helsinki Syndrome... The guy on the TV says, um, he goes, Yes, we think that the people in Nakatomi Plaza may be suffering from Helsinki syndrome. And the, the anchor man goes, As in Helsinki, Sweden? And the guy goes, Helsinki, Finland. <laughs> and I'm like, You guys are all wrong. <laughs> None of you have ever. The dude that said Sweden was actually the one that was closer to being right. And right. we didn't realize I, it back then. I think in Die Hard, it was more parody than anything. But, but what? Did, did JMS copy Die Hard? I don't know. <laughs> Is that what he did on purpose I, or by accident?
1: I, I I don't know. I was cuz when he said that I'm like, wait a minute, the Helsinki syndrome? I'm like, does he mean stuck? I mean it's it's yeah. a a northern european country, I guess. I, maybe something. Maybe that was the you know, the Star Trekism where they always throw something in there that happens in our future but it happens in their past. You know, yeah, maybe maybe Helsinki something maybe something happened in Helsinki that <laughs> was even well, worse than what happened in Stockholm.
0: <laughs> like like San Diego keeps coming up in right. Babylon Five, exactly. and we eventually find out why. I think pretty soon yeah. we find out about that. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I assume the Helsinki syndrome is when you think you're as good of a Formula One driver as Lewis Hamilton, because <laughs> that was what that was what Valtteri Bottas of Finland was suffering from for a while there. That's a Formula One joke that three people will get. Um, <laughs> let's see. A, f- a few odds and ends. President Clark has reinstated the Earth Senate in some form. It has begun investigating alien influence in the entertainment industry and extracted confessions. We talked about that. Imagine the, imagine the government setting up some kind of an investigat- investigative Tory... Uh, a committee and starting to bring people in to ask questions because they don't like the what they're saying i can't imagine that ever happening
1: i can't imagine that ever happening
0: the sheridan family farm has been burned to the ground and john's father's whereabouts are unknown right um, and
1: and sheridan found that out while watching yeah the broadcast
0: well he was trying to contact his dad wasn't he earlier i I he think, was, but he he had no idea that his, okay. his,
1: that his family home had been burned down, and his dad was missing. Though, right. he just thought it was you know the vagaries of of communicating with Earth from you know Babylon Five. So,
0: I guess the last time we talked to his father was severed dreams, right? Right. Yeah. Um. Earth, according to ISN, is slowly retaking Mars from the rebels from back on Severed Dreams. We don't know if that's according, true or not.
1: Accor- according to Clark, they are slowly yeah. Retaking, it's I mean.
0: it's so weird that ISN is like so evil right now, but you know it's it also has a very important place in the overall existence of this show, which we can't we can talk about in the spoiler space. Right. Um... The newscast that was broadcast was broadcast on April 12, 2261. There were four historical events mentioned as taking place on that same date. Yuri Gagarin's flight into space. They misspelled Yuri Gagarin. Uh, <laughs> President Clinton's establishment of a commission on the future. And I would just note that that had not happened yet. This That was two years after the show aired. So they were just making right. that up. There is no right. President Clinton's commission on the future. I was gonna do it, but Hillary said no, so we didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The start of construction of the first lunar colony in the Sea of Tranquility in 2018. How did we miss that? I
1: know. I laughed at that one. That was just like, "Oh, come on." 2018. that would have been so cool. Dang. Wouldn't, you, it, wouldn't that have been the second lunar outpost? Because the first one was blown up in 1999,
0: right? It, well, yes. The first one was, <laughs> the moon's not there anymore. It was blown out of orbit on September 13, 1999. I keep thinking, though, 2018, man, the, the big thing that you should mention on 2018 was uh, Avengers Infinity War. But, you know, that's just me. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> How's, How sad is that when in our real world the biggest thing was, you know, a, a comic book movie? And it well, in my world, that's about what I expect. But it <laughs> should have been the, the establishment of a moon base. You know? It should have I mean, been,
0: that... but unfortunately, we have a phone that we can watch movies on instead of a yeah. moon base, so that's just how it goes. Yeah. And the founding of the Psycorps in 2161. So the Psycorps is 100 years old as of this episode. Right. How about that? Interesting. Uh, spoilers there. Uh, oh, and let, we mentioned the uh, you mentioned the names on the coolers and the. Okay, here are some unanswered questions. My main unanswered question this episode is why couldn't we see Sheridan track down Dan Randall and beat the hell out of him? I really, really wanted that. Yep. I wish that they I wish they had done an episode of Crusade where Dan Randall showed up and was like, "Hey, I'm with the other guys now. It's all good, man. I just all work right. for whoever pays my signs my paycheck. You know, I'm just but here to know, do a." I, do, I'm here to do a I, documentary on the Excalibur, right? <laughs> and Gideon would be like, "Put him out the airlock." <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Gideon would have been like, "Screw it, out the airlock." Take
1: his clothes first. Yep, yeah. I think I I want to say that the actor who portrayed Randall was superb. I thought when he was doing that that broadcast, he came across as sincere and and very. Um, oh yeah, I, it, it was very, it was like he was a newscaster and oh, the did. actor was a newscaster his delivery was spot on i oh, mean, he did great. really and he was he had that low key smarminess that 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 mm-hmm. uh ed wasser uh, has you know
0: i was going to say i could see dan randall and morden hanging out
1: oh absolutely
0: just hanging out somewhere trading stories absolutely yeah, it
1: would be it would be interesting to find out if if uh, dan randall was on the the Icarus.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh i like it yeah. yeah, reporting live from the Icarus. Wait, what's that right. sound? What's that coming toward us? Oh, dear. It's been nice knowing you all. Um, will the newscast prove convincing to people on Earth? I think we've already established that probably at least two-thirds of the, of the people of Earth are totally buying it. Right. And then I, I, from that, I extrapolated a couple of things like, how will Sheridan ever have any legitimacy again when they've made him look, so tainted now i mean i just no matter what he does the people on earth are going to think that's that guy that consorts with aliens and has minbari war syndrome and whatever
1: yep and they did it so so sympathetically
0: yeah you know they're at the very end he's like
1: and you know we shouldn't fear him or hate him we should pity
0: him yeah maybe he can get the help he needs
1: right yeah that was crazy
0: um so I was wondering, how much of that narrative did the Clark government and Dan Randall already have worked out before they got to the station, and how much of it was improvised on the spot, I wonder. Right, right. Yeah. So that's, that's an unanswered and unanswerable question, really. Yep. Um, would it have been better for Babylon 5 or worse for Babylon 5, the station, the people, if those reporters had simply been kicked off the station at the beginning the way that uh, Zach and others wanted to?
1: I don't see how it could have been much worse. Yeah, I mean that they, they Babylon Five got hosed here, they and they, they got. I I can't imagine it could have been any worse if they had just sent him back.
0: Well, yeah, um, but on the other hand, he, you know the way that he convinced Sheridan to do it was by saying, "At least this way, you get to say something. If you if you, if you don't let us do it, we're just going to say whatever we want," which they did right. anyway. So I don't. I guess it was about right. the same.
1: I, I, I when when Sheridan agreed, I mean, he gave him that sob story of there's some of us who are on the inside who are actually good and want to get the real oh, one out. We're going to sneak this stuff in. And he bought a hook, line, and sinker. I'm like, dude, come on. Anything you say will be used against you on TV. I mean, yeah. that's just... Yep. If, if he would have sent the guy back and he would have just made stuff up, he wouldn't have had Sheridan and Delenn and and Garibaldi and, and uh, the Doc all saying that such damning stuff.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. Um, unanswered question: Where Sheridan's father and mother? We'll see if we find that. I'm surely we'll find that out somewhere along the line. Yeah. What What do you make of Michael's new business? Is he seriously trying to run a new business and do something different, or is he just kind of like running away again? You know, hiding. Instead of drinking, he's doing this. You know, or
1: right? I I. I... I want to know what people think of his new business suit because that was a very ill-fitting suit he was wearing. Well, I
0: didn't pay. I didn't notice that. Interesting. Okay, <laughs> it I was, take your he, word. He,
1: he looked like, our, uh, like a like an extra from a MC
0: Hammer. Video. Oh no! It was okay. It was big. All right. And then, lastly, how did Dan Randall get into the cryogenic freezer area? Did somebody let him in?
1: Right, I was wondering that because he just kind of wandered down the hallway and oop, there it was there it I was. Mean, I, I know. I I just took it to. That the uh, the whole medical staff was busy transferring everybody, and was you know, the 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 uh, doc kept saying how you know Doctor Frankly kept saying how how busy they were and how overwhelmed they were and everything. So he just kind of snuck in there. I I I thought that was kind of sketchy.
0: You you know the thing that was interesting to me about that is the after ship of tears when we first found out about the telepaths and having them frozen or whatever. Um, I could have seen that never going anywhere that been the only time that was mentioned and i did not imagine that it would pop up and be used in a plot point as a plot point like this and i wonder if jms planned it or if he thought what can what can what can dan randall see that he could twist and then he thought hey i got these telepaths let's drag them out you know
1: right yeah i don't question
0: i don't know if they'd have come out otherwise you know what i mean yeah all right well we'll we'll Find some more out about it later. I got a few JMS speaks. I want to go on forever. Um, somebody said um this episode should be required viewing in university media and historic history classes. And I, Van, want to point out that I do show believers occasionally in my religion course, just as it makes a good debate about the stuff that we debated, and I'll leave it at that. I don't think this episode Would make a. I thought about it. I thought, do I want to show this in like a history class or something? And I thought, you know, not really, because while I do think that there's something to be learned from the way the media manipulates things here, there's it's much much more than believers could be a movie. And you never even you don't there doesn't have to be a Babylon Five show for believers to work. Right. Exactly. Just have a generic commander, generic doctor. You know what I mean?
1: Yep. Yeah, this that could, episode, that could have been a Star Trek episode. Yeah. yeah, it
0: could have been a Star Trek This episode really depended on all the B-5 story to yep. work. You need, yeah, you need to be immersed
1: in the lore of B-5 yeah. to, to really get all the references, right?
0: I agree. Um, JMS said the final shot was strictly described in the script. It was not something the director did or the or the uh, cinematographer or whatever. The monitor point of view, the relative positions of everyone, the slight fisheye, and the absolute silence. I did like Sheridan going up there and turning the TV off on us. Yeah. And, and mentioning before that that a commercial was coming on. It was right. it's, it's funny to watch this show without commercials because you lose yeah. the like, little moments like that where it's a commercial. Right. Right. That's pretty good. Um, oh, where somebody asked, "Where did the Star Fury model that Sheridan was looking at in the war room come from?" and JMS says, "I think the Star Fury model was an illegal one we confiscated. Waste not, want not." <laughs> I don't know if you realize or know about this, or their listeners do, but JMS was forever going around to convention dealer halls and like confiscating Babylon Five merchandise that was not licensed. He would just go up and grab it and carry it away.
1: That's crazy.
0: He he took that. Real seriously,
1: but they didn't put it I mean it getting official b5 merchandise was almost impossible to do because they just yes. wouldn't do anything like I remember they finally came out with the action figures and then they released a couple of the models, but I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at the merchandising that Star Trek and star wars and and all those other shows got b5 was seriously underserved in that
0: area. Oh yeah, no doubt um, let's see I want to see if there's any other questions here note. Yeah, we talked about a lot of this. Um, oh, JMS says, This episode is one that will be discussed a lot but not rewatched a lot because it's just really hard to watch knowing what's coming. It really does tend to upset people. And I think you and I probably have thoughts about that coming up in just a minute. And... Somebody asked, aren't there other networks besides ISN? And JMS says, this is interesting because we didn't know this really. JMS said there are other networks, but they're the ones that has like the big interstellar broadcasting capability. Right, right. So they're they're the they're ones like, that broadcast to other planets and stuff.
1: Yeah, they're like the BBC in the 70s. Yeah. People in, in Great Britain and
0: all the British
1: colonies, I guess you could call it, would just watch whatever was on the
0: Beeb. Yeah, oh, I agree. Um... There was a distinct anti-Minbari sentiment among the TV crew of Dan Randall as evidenced by the later parts of the show. It isn't hard to imagine the bumping of the little floating camera to Lanier was at the behest of the guy controlling it. If Lanier was just annoyed, advantage ISN. If he reacted violently, advantage ISN. I'm sure that footage will be used on another ISN propaganda broadcast in the future. Um, so yeah, that was either JMS or the cinematographer talking about how they were trying to antagonize the minbari from the jump on this episode. I didn't that kind of went right. past me at first, but knowing what we know from the voiceover at the end, yeah, I can see it.. Yeah. All right, so that's all the material I have. You want to move into categories? Uh, sure. All right, high point of this episode.
1: Oh, this was this was a tough one. As yes. I mentioned earlier, I, I had a lot of I had difficulty filling out the categories for this one. My high point for this one was seeing Happy Mr. Garibaldi for once. This was this was the season one Mr. Garibaldi. He wasn't. I mean, later on in the episode he got cranky again, but during that that first scene with the uh, with the 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 one guy that was trying to import the statue, I thought that was that was classic. You know, season one. You know, happy go lucky, yeah. joking around, Mr. Garibaldi. And it was it was nice to see after what has happened and what we know will happen. Um, it was just a little brief glimpse back into season one. I thought that was cool.
0: That's a good point that in giving us this cranky something's going on with him involving you know whoever kidnapped him and everything Garibaldi we're kind of getting deprived of the Garibaldi that we like that we enjoy his antics and stuff. And so it is true that it was good. I agree with you. It was good to at least get a little bit to be reminded a little bit of why we used to like him because honestly after season four you know, he's hard to like. Yeah. You kind of absolutely. forget why you ever liked him. You get all the abrasiveness without any of the wacky fun. He really needs yeah. to he needs a he needs a good balance of those two things. He's the abrasive guy, but he's the wacky fun guy and he needs to have those in balance and when he's really out of balance one way or the other, it's not a good Garibaldi.
1: Right. And and they managed that balance so well with uh with Londo, you know? Even yes. when he was Yes he, one episode he would be, you know, evil space hitler giving his mm-hmm. speech and then the next episode he'd be cracking jokes about spiders in his you know in his, in his quarters so yeah it was unfortunate they couldn't do that with garibaldi as well but i understand why
0: i said it was freezing in my quarters yeah the <laughs> <And my laughs> arm would snap off at the shoulder um yeah i i said there really wasn't much of a high point to this episode there's really two kinds of events that mostly dominate this episode one kind of event is clark people being evil and the other kind of event are Babylon 5, people saying things innocently that are then taken in an evil way. Right, exactly. So, statements, so. yeah, this is just like he it's just not a very fun episode to watch. I, I think it's necessary and it's important and everything. Right. It's valuable, and but...
1: I, 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 right, and I think I agree with, with whoever said that... It, it's not one that you would rewatch because yeah. knowing knowing what we knew going into this, every time a Babylon Five person would open their mouth, we're like, "No,
0: don't say that!" Exactly. I was and climbing because,
1: off the couch. Right. The first time I watched it, everything seemed so innocent, and I thought it was a legit. You know that this guy was really well, trying to help out Babylon Five, but now rewatching it, it's like, oh, it's just so cringeworthy.
0: Well, and especially everything seems innocent except where they're actually asking, asking Sheridan. You know, like, are you going to marry her? Well, you know, if we did, nothing would stop us. And right. I'm just like, oh, God, John, come on.
1: That's the one that got me.
0: Yeah. Um, low point of this episode. Oh, where to begin?
1: Oh, golly. I, I put the, the ISN broadcast itself because it was just, it was just, they eviscerated everything that Babylon, you know, that, that the station leadership yeah. had going for them and in, in trying to, you know, Go against Clark. I mean, it was so effective and so thorough how how they just just lined them up and 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 you know shot them in the back of the head. It was it was unreal. Yeah. It was it was hard to watch.
0: Yeah, I had I my low point of the episode was everything else. Right, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I I had a note that my my lowest point of the episode was that Susan didn't put them out the airlock.
1: Right. <laughs> Uh, cuz that would yes. have
0: been that would have solved the whole problem and then just say yeah he never got here i wonder we don't know what happened to to mr randall we were looking right. forward to receiving him but he just never arrived most babylon 5 scene
1: i for the life of me could not come up with anything for this <sighs> one i just i could not i nothing i mean i guess you could say the broadcast because it yeah. it it was very uh, pertinent to the the overarching you know battle against earth plot but I really couldn't think of anything that made me go, wow, that was, you know, that was very Babylon 5.
0: No, I, that was what I said. Um, I said that the whole new segment where it serves, it twisted around to serve Clark's agenda is basically JMS giving us another clear look at growing fascism. And that's a lot of what season three and four are, growing fascism, yes. Right.
1: I mean, I, I guess you could say those scenes where they, you know, talked about what was going on in the Earth realm, like the, the, The battles on Mars were still ongoing, and you know, all the different little tidbits that we we gleaned from that broadcast about everything else that was going on in in, uh, EarthGov and Earth's realm of influence.
0: This show really is a remarkable study in how fascism takes root and grows. And in 1997, it seemed like such a fantasy. And then, yeah, right. Um, Favorite character moment. I yeah. <laughs> I have two of them with a question mark.
1: One was the scene with um um Garibaldi again because yeah. that was a very very Garibaldi scene. I mean that it was, was old school Garibaldi and it was it was it was well written and well acted. It was it was a fun it was a fun scene to watch, but it was, still showed Garibaldi outsmarting the bad guy. I like that one and the one with uh Lando because it was again a, similar to the Garibaldi scene. It was an old season one Londo you know he came out he was joking he was complaining about something and it was very uh, a lighthearted scene so I thought that was good but uh, everything else it was just it, hmm, I
0: don't know it was either cringeworthy, cringeworthy or dark yeah, so I, right. I, I, I really couldn't think of anything else well, my favorite character moment again is Susan being dark talking about putting Randall out the airlock. I appreciate yes, that. that. I enjoyed that. that
1: I, I had that one for a different a different
0: category, so I didn't. Well, I, didn't I do too. It. That basically right. that one scene dominates all my uh, <laughs> or half of my <laughs> half of my categories. So funniest moment then. That would be. Uh, I'm shocked, shocked and dismayed. Said captain sheridan
1: with a straight face that was that the whole scene was funny but that particular line was was extremely funny
0: that there's gambling going on well it is casablanca in space so there's not a surprise (laughs) and then londo sticks his head in from the side there's gambling (laughs) you could do a whole little comedy bit out of that yeah you're winning sir thank you shut this down at once um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Sheridan says we have an open door policy and Susan says an open airlock policy. Right. <laughs> that was classic Susan. That yeah. was so so she, good. She
1: was she was on fire this episode for sure.
0: That was so good. Um all right, who won this episode? I'm afraid I know. President Clark clearly yes. won this
1: episode. I mean ding, he, ding
0: ding ding ding. Yeah. He he did a, a good job
1: of, of just knocking the Babylon five crew down several pegs.
0: Yeah, this episode, as I say, this episode makes it very difficult for Sheridan or any of his crowd to come back to Earth under any circumstances and be perceived as liberators right. by, well, see, this is the thing, though. As we, as we are learning with most things in life, half the population is going to think one thing, and half the population is going to think the exact opposite. right. So, I guarantee you, half the population after this episode of Earth thinks that Sheridan is a monster and needs to be killed immediately, and Babylon 5 should be blown up. And how can, you know, I did think it was funny that they were saying how their taxpayer dollars are going to support alien or whatever. I'm like, what taxpayer Wait, no. dollars are going to Babylon 5?
1: Not a penny is oh, going to Babylon God, 5. Yeah, they, they said that
0: multiple times. And people,
1: and I'm sure that was intentional. That wasn't a mistake in the script. Oh, no. That was intentional, intentional gaslighting.
0: 100%. But, um,. But, yeah, I just, there will be some people that will still support Sheridan uh, and not believe it because right, they know Clark and they would already suspect anything that ISN said is being made up.
1: Right. Even the people that don't like Clark, there will be a, a good chunk of them saying, but, you know, gas prices are, are down and the stock market's up. So yeah. he's
0: not all bad. Yeah, was it? That was what on severed dreams, right? That was what uh, the major said. He says crimes down to almost nothing. Right. Some a lot of people are happy about it. Yeah. A lot of people think it's fine. Yep. Um. Yeah. I mean, and there's going to be people on Earth that look at. Sheridan and Babylon Five, and they say, and that's
1: nothing but pure and simple old-fashioned communism. <laughs> that's,
0: that's what hey, I've got the soundboard. I might as well use it a few times on this show. Right. But that's absolutely. what they'd be, thats the, thats pretty much what they'd be saying, you know. That's exactly yeah. it. So, yeah, absolutely. President William Morgan Clark, or Morgan William Clark, depending on whether you're looking at the book or the or the CCG. Uh, he won the episode. I'm afraid. Who lost the episode then?
1: Uh, Babylon Five. Uh, uh. For every reason you just stated, they, they he, it was a brilliant preemptive strike to just uh, you know neuter the Babylon Five. Any 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 sort of of moral high ground just got knocked out from underneath them. So yes, yeah, wow, yeah, definitely, and definitely those guys.
0: I said that, and I said, and also Garibaldi, who's not really part of that anymore. Because now the station folks are going to be mad at him for the things he said to Dan Randall. Yep,
1: Yep, absolutely, because he he laid it all out, exactly what he thought of Sheridan. And and now Sheridan, yeah, Sheridan, you could see it in his face that he was pissed when he was
0: watching that part. Now, going back and watching it now, and watching them this close together, um, well, you know the funny thing is that we're really not watching them as close together as we watched them when they first aired cuz we're watching them every week back then and watching right. every 2 weeks now but right. but it feels like we're watching we're not skipping you know the summer break and the and the rerun right. weeks and all that but seeing them just in a row like this and then talking about them so much i see a lot more clues i mean they don't hide the fact that something is up with Garibaldi externally right they have right. not hidden that. They keep showing him in the, in the room being brainwashed and everything. Right. Which makes me realize that when I was watching the show originally, the very first run, I kept thinking how Garibaldi had just done a heel turn, as they say in wrestling, you know, turned into a bad guy overnight, and I was never 100% sure it wasn't just him doing that.
1: Right. If that wasn't just his attitude.
0: Yes, that he had genuine feelings this way.
1: We had a, we, you and I had a good discussion about this. I think it was, uh, whatever happened to Mr. Garibaldi. Yeah. We, we, we chatted about this. Yeah. Cause that, that would be, uh, a, a brilliant writing. Um, uh, it, just, it would have been a brilliant coup. It would have been a, a writing coup to be able to pull that off. Um, but I, I think we came up with evidence that JMS said, no, this is all the brainwashing.
0: Yeah. And it, it just strikes me this far into the season now that, He's still acting that way, and... I at this point in the original run was still wondering if it was legit or if it was cuz again they make it very clear when you pay attention that he's definitely right. under some kind of influence. That's not a spoiler. They they keep showing him in that room being talked to by the voices, you know, and drawing yep. the little face on the shot on the on the mirror and everything. Clearly there's stuff and there the, there was the the pattern, you know, that hypnotized him yep. or whatever. I mean, they they're hitting you over the head with it. Right. But at the but- time I was like, it eh, could be Michael's just mad at Sheridan. You know, K- kudos to,
1: to Jerry Doyle for making yeah. for making it that believable. I mean, for for staying within character and making it, you know, making it believable that yeah, this is just Garibaldi, just you know, coming to a realization that he didn't like Sheridan. Yeah, absolutely. I that. That's that's uh, that, that's good acting on his part for sure. And
0: he ne- and they take their time with it too. He it's not like yeah. you know one episode he's brainwashed, the next he tries to assassinate it, Sheridan. Exactly. It's just a slow disaffection, slowly yeah. moving out of his orbit. I think that's what got me as much as anything, as I kept thinking, well, if he was being under control of Psychor or under the control of Clark or under control of the Shadows or something. He would have just like tried to kill him, but he's not. Right. He's just kind of hanging back, grouching, complaining like he does. Yep. So it was plausible that he was just Garibaldi. Yeah. That's
1: yeah, that's so. how you do that's how you do a a, a
0: mole, that's how you do a, you mm. know, a, a double agent. Heck, yeah. All right, everybody's favorite moment. Got to give it the rating. We give a rating on a scale of 0.0, 0 to 5.0 and we do 0.5s. So what did you, I'm really genuinely curious what you rated this episode.
1: You know, if I had given it a rating based on the first half of the show, it would have been probably a 1.5. Woo. Woo. I, I really didn't like that first 20 minutes. I was like, wow, this is just really bad because, and part of that is knowing going into it all these lines, how they were you know going to be used against them. And it yeah. just seemed like, like we said, ham fisted. Yes. Um, but then after watching the second half and how just incredibly effective uh, this – this what, just what we talked about, how incredibly effective it was at, at neutering any any hope that B5 had of, of, you know, winning the hearts and minds of the people on Earth. I thought that was really well done, and I thought the delivery by the actor who played Randall was mm. just superb. I was really impressed with that. So it bumped it up to uh, 2.5. <laughs> 2.5. Not one, not one of my favorite episodes.
0: It seems to me that usually if we disagree, I rank them higher than you do. Is that fair? That is very fair, yes. I rated this um, one 2.0. Yeah. Now, I have an explanation here. I have a I have a little sentence or two here just to kind of explain it. Because when, when I was thinking about it and I was really thinking, I was struggling with this one more than I do most of them. Most of them I immediately know the ballpark and then I kind of narrow it down by thinking a few, you know, few kind of points here and there. But with this one, I was really wrestling with it because I'm like, in a way, in terms of effectiveness, this is like a four, 4.5. But in terms right. of how much I liked it, it's about a one. <laughs> right. So I had to decide where does it, at which end of the scale am I leaning toward? And I ended up leaning more toward the one, honestly. And here's yep. what I said. To justify it, I said I said it probably deserves a higher rating, and I'm glad that you gave it a slightly higher rating because it, it deserved that, but it makes me so mad that I'm giving it a lower number. You can say that that means it was effectively done, and I don't disagree, but even so, an hour of television shouldn't leave me this disappointed and angry, and that's not the fault of the show, but I still don't have to like it.
1: All right. There you go. That's That's legit.
0: You can give me some medicine that makes me not sick anymore, but if it's bitter and nasty, and makes me want to throw up, I'm not going to give it five stars. I didn't like it. <laughs> right. Okay, that's
1: legit. And and to JMS's credit, he basically said that people yep. aren't gonna, you know, people aren't gonna want to rewatch this one. And he was right. Didn't want to. Yeah, he
0: was. Uh, we got to thank the folks. We got a few. We got a couple more things to go here. We've got spoiler space coming up, and we got. Uh, patrons questions and comments but I do want to thank our great patrons that keep the show going we would love to have you you not you Andy but we'd love to have you folks out there join us go to www.b5review.com or just go to Patreon and look for White Rocket Reviews because this is White Rocket Entertainment Network the White Rocket Battle on 5 Review Podcast we have to thank Christopher Anastasia, Allison Rich Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Ben Zane. Z- Z- I am missing my category, mister. <laughs> Emma Jane Alexander, Leah G., Rich Hammett, Debbie, Zombie, Half Pint, Had to Die, Norris. And and by the way, we, we do this on the football show, too. You can put whatever you want in your name on Patreon, and I that's what I read. So some people just put their name, and some people put little messages, and that's fine. We actually have a com- have an advertiser on the football show that yep. puts their <laughs> puts their their uh, Instagram address on there. Uh, Dragon Con Delin, Emmanuel Seaman, uh, good friend from France for many years. Jalja Mondo Six Michael O'Connor Pete the reason Van laughs every time he brings up Dragon Con Furman. Now Pete, you got to send in a message. When you hear this episode, and let me know what you mean there, because I'm curious if you're referring to a specific thing from Dragon Con that you were involved in and I was involved in. Because it I, I I'm I've done so many things there over the years that I can't I can't put my finger on it, but I really want to know. So if if you're referring to something specific at Dragon Con, I want to know what it was. Steve Palmer. <laughs> Steve Palmer, Andy Sickly rates War Without into five. We know that. Stu Parker, the Geek Boy. Uh, una vez and una luna azul. I looked up what that means in Spanish. Do you know what it means? Blue moon? Yeah, once in a blue moon. Ah. Oh, once yeah. in a blue moon. So now we know. Uh, Jamiroquai, Heather and Yancey Steingraber, Ice Cream Clone with the Boba Fett head, Michael Halbrook, and Emmett Sharp. Uh, welcome all of you, uh, all of you new ones. There's a couple of new ones there, and we really, really appreciate it. Uh, let me see. We've got a few comments. Let me go back to the notes for a second to make sure I'm not, yeah. Qu- uh, patron comments is what's next. Oh, that's the Lurker's Guide. Where is it? Here we go. All right. If I miss anybody, um, if, if I miss anybody or whatever, I apologize. I have, Patreon is just a weird website. It's laid out weird. It's hard to find things. And yep. so I usually, just, I usually just find messages by going to notifications, and it lists all the new things since the last time we did the show. I can't remember um, I can't remember if we did this one before. I think uh, Pete, the reason Van Lass, every time he brings up Dragon Con Furman, uh, said, he says, okay, since Andy gave me a shout-out for a Facebook post, I had to officially join up and get in on the fun. Did we do that one already? <laughs> I don't no, think we, we haven't done that one okay.
1: yet. I think that's
0: awesome. He says, but Andy only read part of my post. I qualified it by saying I thought the end of the Shadow War had a lot of good parts, but none of that makes up for the Shadows, who had been set up for years as one of the scariest alien races ever, sounding like a six-year-old girl begging for Lorian to hold their hand <laughs> because they're scared yep. to leave. No, that's fair. I that we fair. We talked about that, that, right. that they had to overcome the fact that the Shadows, when the Shadows are talking to us, they're just Satan— when they're right. talking to Lorian, they're like little kids. Right. It depends on who they're talking to that they sound. Yep. Yeah. And I um, I
1: I I want to apologize to Pete because that the uh, the conversation that was happening over in, in one of my Facebook posts, and it w- it was people were responding to other different people, so not all of the. Oh, okay. Not all of his, not all of his, uh, his, uh, what he was saying was all together in in one right. post or even in one thread. So. I was definitely not trying to make him out to be the bad guy. I love interacting with him on my Facebook page.
0: Very good, very good, yeah. No, and this is great. Okay, he says, If Lorien had been the big floating Galactus-type presence, and we kind of talked about that, then it would have looked like the whimpering Shadows and Vorlons were only giving in because their godlike grandfather told them to and would have taken away from Sheridan's entire plan and the sacrifice the other races made. To show they had all banded together. That's total again, totally fair. These are these are great observations. That's that's absolutely true. Point. Very good point. Very good point. Also, if Delyn did go beyond the rim, we talked about that. Did Delyn go beyond the rim later? Right. Um, Right. It would have been a long time after John, since she was very old. Delyn, the deconstruction of falling stars. Yeah, that's. I, I I probably should have held that for the spoiler, but fair enough. It's not a huge thing. Uh, and we'll we'll I'll just leave it at that. Those that know, know. And those that don't, you won't get a lot out of that. Um, also, he says, I, th- I think he gets this backwards, or maybe I misstated it. He says, I would not take Van's $5 bet that there was a shadow on both sides of Morden on Centauri Prime. They do fire on both sides of Morden to be safe. But when you watch it, you can see only one shadow on the right side is phasing in and out as it's being fired on. And that right. was my point. I, I may have just misstated it or something, but I was arguing there was only one shadow
1: right i I was the one that was saying that there might have been two shadows but yeah you were correct in stating that there was only one shadow
0: I thought there was okay yeah I was surprised there was only one it's like the shadows got a little lazy there didn't they
1: right and they paid for it
0: they should because there were like at least two in uh the shadow of zaha doom when they when, when Morden was locked up in jail right good stuff Pete we appreciate that yeah that was some really good Thank stuff you, Pete. and by the way that the, the I guess the reason I keep thinking about Delyn going beyond the rim later is that's what Sam Wise did in Lord of the Rings, right? I think he was the last because yep. he had been a ring bearer. Absolutely, and he got to go yep. later to the to the Grey Havens. Yep. No, no, Merry and Pippin. Right. Because they were just too annoying. Did well. You don't need that in the in the in the, in the, in the eternal. Land. You don't want you don't want Merry and Pippin anywhere eternal.
1: Right. <laughs> Can you imagine how to deal with them every day
0: for the rest of eternity? Them boys need an expiration date. <laughs> they need a date that they cease to be. Right. Um, does that mean that Tom Bombadil got to go to the West? Because oh, he, 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 he carried does, the ring.
1: Don't just leave Tom Bombadil out of
0: this. Tom, Tom Bombadil.
1: You know what that was? What? What what the whole Tom Bombadil thing was? What? J.R.R. Tolkien had a roommate named Tom Bombadil. And when he finished The Lord of the Rings, he left it with his roommate. Say, hey, I got to run. Can you take this down to the the... the the postman to send it off and then his roommate added the whole Tom Bombadil chapter about himself no no I'm kidding that's not at all I like don't
0: that. say wait a minute This is <laughs> that's such a good story I wanted to believe it I wanted to believe oh man look at Andy look at Andy uh, that,
1: that whole yeah that's, that's a whole different podcast though I mean I that's could go cool. on and
0: on about Lord of the Rings and Tom Bombadil
1: I, and I love Tom Bombadil but you know
0: oh I'm telling you man he's cool um yeah all right. Let's see what else we've got here. Leah G said, "After seeing Colonel Dad's post and hearing on this episode, the HBO Max that HBO Max dropped the show. I looked for some alternatives. Tubi, a free channel, has the complete series." Uh, I didn't have Van's Luck of $29.99 on iTunes Store, but got it for $69.99, including the gathering. Yeah, I don't think my version got the gathering. I have to go back and check. Amazon Prime has the complete series plus Crusade for $89.99 or thereabouts. It's like the price has gone up since it was on HBO Max and since the and right. then, since they redid it, right. they remastered it and everything. Yeah. And, and
1: then it should le- be noted that the 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 show that's airing on Tubi is standard definition. It's not the HD.
0: Oh, okay. That's good to know. And she says, thank you, Andy and Van, for all the work you put into this double episode. This was the the, um, the feedback mm-hmm. and discussion. It was awesome, as always, and definitely gave me a new appreciation and perspective of JMS's vision for the Shadow War story arc. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad that we were able to yeah. maybe shine a little light on some ideas there that we kind of saw. Right.
1: It, and and it's really not a whole lot of work sitting here chatting with Van about Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> we do we do put work into watching and researching it, but I I love just sitting here chatting with Van. So yeah. it's it, it's not like you know like it's hard labor.
0: <laughs> oh, the the work goes in the day before when I have to sit down and like. Find all the right. notes and everything, and, and scour <laughs> through the lurkers guide yeah. and the book and everything. But that's happy, happy job, happy to do that. Yeah, and then say, and it says, uh, "Not sure it will ever be my favorite episode, but I'll definitely, definitely watch it again through a modified lens." So that's awesome. I'm, I'm very pleased cool. with that.
1: And I, I'm, it's very gratifying to know that we, you know, give people a different perspective on it and make them look at the show
0: a little bit differently. I think that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Pete Pete Furman says. Also, Claudia Christian is not in the credits for Deconstruction of Falling Stars, but is in fact in the credits for Sleeping in Light, since it was technically the last episode she was contracted to do and was even and, was, and was in, even though it aired a year after was shot. Yes, I again I feel like maybe I said something wrong or not the way I meant to, because yeah, I'm well aware. Sleeping in light is is 422. Right. Deconstruction of Falling Stars is like 501A. And then No right. Compromises is 501B. So, yeah, I know that Deconstruction was filmed in the beginning of Season 5 and added on. It swapped out with Sleeping in Light. People right. that haven't watched the whole show yet don't know what we're talking about. And I don't want to go too far down right. that path. But, yeah. I, again, I apologize, Pete, if I've been confusing with any of this stuff because I did definitely know that. I may have just said it in a hurry and said it backwards or something like I may have very well have done. Uh, Allison said, you released this episode on the 30th birthday of The Gathering. My particular epiphany is that I feel really old. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I hear you. I hear Uh, you. Let's see. And then a couple more quotes. Um, uh, Colonel Dad says, I really enjoyed this discussion, especially the deep background stuff about how the later movies fit in. How about doing your live watch together during Endgame? I'm sure I'll be squirming in my chair during that episode. I like that. That's that's a big one. Yeah. That's a big one. That That is the big one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. Let's file that away for future thought. For sure. For sure. Oh. <laughs> uh, once in a blue moon, Spanish word says, because you remember I asked about Stargate blowing up a planet or something? Yeah. Major later Lieutenant Colonel Samantha Carter blew up a sun. Ah. Rodney, I love Rodney so much. Rodney, quote, accidentally, unquote, blew up about half a solar system. (laughs) Oh, my God. We've got to watch. I don't know when or how or what we're going to do, Andy, but you and I need to watch um, Stargate Atlantis or Stargate Universe. They're so good. There's some moments that are just so funny and so well done, and they just oh man, we got to do that. We got to put that my, on the agenda.
1: My question for you is: Now I watched a few episodes of the original Stargate when it aired on on S-G-1. Showtime, I think it was.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Do the later series? Do all the planets that they visit still look like you know the British Columbia wilderness? <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> that's one of the things I didn't like about SG one is it looked like the budget of that show was about twenty bucks. I mean, it made right. Babylon five look, you know that's the thing that's so funny. Babylon five saved money by going to alien planets and they're like the the far right corner of the of the hot tub factory with some right. silk <laughs> curtains hanging down, right? Right. And Stargate would go to alien planets and it was like the forest outside the studio in Canada. Right. So they both found <laughs> creative ways, you know, but I tell you what I did love about that. I don't want to go too far afield again, but what I did love about that is I love a show where, where today's humans travel all over the galaxy with machine guns and air force uniforms. That's really yeah. cool. That, that was kind of cool. I, I, I yeah. like that. I like that a lot. Um, Atlantis is in a whole other galaxy, so it's a different forest. And uh, <laughs> but but Universe, man, I'm telling you, Stargate Universe is Space 1999 done in the style of the new Battlestar Galactica. Wow, and All it's righty. oh, it's so good. I've watched the whole, it's just two seasons, and I've watched it through like five times, and I'm ready to watch it through again because it's so I, I will. good. I will so. admit
1: I never knew it existed before t- you started talking about it, and you're really selling me on it. I'm I'm curious about it.
0: I think that that's what we need to do is we need to when we get into like season five of Babylon five or something, we need to occasionally mix in a Stargate universe just to see if you like <laughs> it and get it to speed. And that one we can do quickly because it's just two seasons. And then if you dig yeah. it, we can do Atlantis. And if you don't dig it, we can stop there and do you know do whatever else. And we were talking about right. doing. Um, the expanse of two, of course. So, yeah. Yes, yes, all right. yes. Yes, yes. All right. All right. That's all the comments from our great patrons. Go to www.b5view.com and sign up to become a patron, and you can do that, too. On our next installment, we're about to go to Spoiler Space. Um, on our next installment, we will cover 409 Atonement. I wonder who is searching for Atonement, Andy. Who could that possibly be? Hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Zatra's trained in atonement technologies. Yes, very bad. Never do that. All right. I guess we're gonna go through the old uh... jump gate activated. Every time I hear that sound, I think there's a bunch of Omega destroyers coming through the jump gate to blow us up, Andy. Right. This is Captain Dexter Smith of the Earth Alliance Destroyer Agrippa, the Babylon Five, and Renegade vessels. That that quote just always. I could just bust that quote out any time. It's so stuck in my head. Dude, that whole
1: that was such an epic moment. That it whole really was. episode was just epic. It was awesome.
0: It's so good.
1: One of my all favorite right. science fiction moments of all time.
0: Of all time. Of all time. Yeah. yeah no doubt. Um, all right. Spoiler section here where we talk about things. If you have not watched Beyond This and don't want to know, go ahead and tune out now. I don't have a whole lot. Um, I I'll have thro-
1: one question.
0: All right. Go ahead.
1: Do you think after Sheridan liberates Earth from Clark that there was some sort of uh, insurrection of Clark supporters that just would not accept that? <laughs> I can, I can. That's a legit question. I can. See, I'm not trying to be funny. I can literally see a large segment of the population of Earth not, not 100%. believing. No, oh, yeah. Not believing that Sheridan wasn't how he was portrayed on that news broadcast.
0: Oh yeah. Hey, I mean. You know, the Sheridan side of the story goes out, and there's going to be people, there's going to be politicians that say... It's about once and for all with this fiction. They're going to say that, yeah. Right. I know, 100%. I, and I And now, how far does it go? Well, here's the thing, though. Clark does what he does.
1: Yeah, right. I'm almost right.
0: reluctant, even in spoiler space, I'm almost reluctant to say it, just in case somebody hears it by accident. Yeah. Clark does what he does, whereas the alternative is more like refuse to accept it refuse to accept it say that you've been you know done wrong and fight but like hell
1: evidence has shown that even Clark doing what he does people would still yeah not accept it
0: no they, I agree they would be like no, Martyr.
1: That he, didn't, he didn't do that. Yeah, exactly.
0: And they'd say, oh, they told us that he, you know. Right. But actually, we know it was Sheridan and his evil horde that actually... Right. Oh, yeah. It's, or there would be people that say he's currently living in South America and gathering right. his forces. <laughs> right. right, right. Like Bonnie and Prince Charlie, you know.
1: Watching this back in the 90s when it ended we just accepted that everybody yeah. on Earth was like, yay! Yes. We've been liberated. Now...
0: Oh, no. six years
1: later, it's like, oh, no, that was just the beginning of... We
0: live in a very different yeah. world now, yeah. and we understand things very differently than we right. did in 1997. That's right. for sure. Oh, boy. Yeah, no. Those are those are very good questions. Um, I asked, you know, nothing ever really becomes of Dan Randall as far as we know. We don't get any... It's like See, here's the thing. On Crusade, we get an episode where one of Clark's top people shows up again, and he's not a Clarky anymore. And he's like, he's like, you know, the guy that worked for Louis Sixteenth and then worked for Napoleon. He said, like, you know, I just serve the government. Whoever's in charge, I just do what they say. He's like, right. I'm just a politician. Don't look at me. I'm just a bureaucrat. You know what I mean? I, I go where they tell me to go. And I'm like, you know, that's a pretty darn good defense there. Uh, but we didn't get a Dan Randall. It, it was. Um, it was the guy that uh, that Neroon plays when he's not in alien makeup.
1: Right, right. John
0: Vickery plays, uh, one of the Clark guys. Yeah. But um, we get that in Crusade, which is kind of cool. But I wish we'd gotten a Dan Randall sp- s- spotting where he's like, I'm f- I'm filming pro-Luchinko uh, yeah. documentaries now, Captain. Don't look at me. Yep. That would have been cool. I'm a Luchinko man. Yeah, you know. You know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Susan yes. Luchinko. Yeah, right. Right, because
1: Randall was was halfway convincing when he was telling oh, yes. you know, Sheridan that I I'm on your side.
0: Absolutely, I could see him telling uh, President Luchenko, um, "Yeah, I'm I'm whatever you want. I'm here to serve Earth. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, which is horrifying. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing is what this documentary may very well have done is keep more forces from changing sides to Sheridan's side later, because in severed dreams, they were peeling off ships, right, to to, to General Haig's side. Yep. I don't know that anybody changes sides when Endgame comes along. I think it's pretty much, you know, you're either on Clark's side or you're on Sheridan's side, and never the two shall right. meet.
1: And they were kind of setting that up when a few episodes ago, when uh, um, Ivanova saved those that squadron of um, yes Starfuries. Yes, but they never really did anything with
0: that they didn't right that's true um yeah and i think that ultimately what happens is we kind of see a little of this in rising star rising star is one of my favorite episodes i think it's a very underrated episode this is the the one before deconstruction of falling stars after endgame you know rising star is the one that basically is the aftermath of the earth war the immediate aftermath you know right and I really like that because I like seeing the political settlement after the military action has been settled, right? Like, how do we right. wrap things up? How do we, now we got to sit down and, and bargain, you know, now that the fighting stopped. Right. And I really like that episode a lot. And one of the things I think that kind of comes out of it is the Clark people can't run the, country, run the government anymore, but neither can Sheridan. Right. They need to find a third party that's not tainted in either direction, and that's how they end up with Luchenko. Right. So, and leave it to JMS to put a Russian in charge. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm surprised it wasn't another Susan, but yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, I remember at the time thinking, who's this lady? Where'd she come from? What's this all about? But I look back at it now and I go, yeah, that, that really didn't make sense. You couldn't put Sheridan in charge because right. they've poisoned the well too much. Yep. So, It, all right.
1: it, it would be just, yeah, it, it, it would have been a mess.
0: Yeah. All right, that's all I've got. Are we good for tonight? Any I last we thoughts? Good tonight? We're good? Nope. All right. So next up is Atonement, which I think is a more mm, more Delyn oriented. Yes. I think it's a Dylan oriented one. And we haven't yeah. seen her do, get to do a lot in a while. So that's good.
1: Right. I, I, I will say that one final statement out of this episode, mm-hmm. I was surprised that, I mean, how much of a clunker this was. I didn't I didn't looking, you know, going into watching season four, I thought, man, this is just these are all just really good, solid, great episodes. Right. I had forgotten how much of a clunker this one was.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, I, I think that a lot of it was well done. It's just not fun. It's just kind of right. like you have to endure it. Right. It's like going there to the dentist.
1: Any, yeah. There wasn't any real plot to this one. I mean, it no. was just. But that was by design. That was because by design. It 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 was all a setup for that that last you know fifteen minutes where they did the um, where they did the the news broadcast. So yeah, no, you're and right. are I, I was. Just I was just kind of
0: surprised about how much I just didn't like this one. No, I agree. Yeah, I didn't like it. That's why I gave it a 2.0. I'm like, even though yeah. I think it was well done, didn't make right. me happy. <laughs> right. <it> <laughs> All right. Um, so, um, yeah, next up is Atonement. We will see you guys. Uh, go sign up, become a patron. Give us some messages, give us some feedback. We love feedback. We read it on the air, and we thank you every episode. Andy, yep. until next time, we will see you down the road, sir. All right. Take care, Van.